life just caught me off guard. And I have to honestly say that the best things, Dane, that have ever happened to me, the best situations and the best people that ever happened to me, happened to me when I wasn't looking. I wasn't expecting it. Welcome to the Lotus Crusher podcast with me, Dane Ensley. My guest today is George Hahn. George is a writer, actor, and a consultant. But most importantly, he is an old mentor of mine. When I moved to New York City in 2011, I was put in touch with George and we hit it off. I always admired how relaxed and confident he was. I was in the middle of an existential crisis and meeting with George for guidance was comforting. He regularly reminded me things would be okay if I just showed up and let go of the results, and I trusted him. It turned out George was right. We lost touch some time ago. Life took its course, and we both moved away from New York City. I continued to follow his blog and podcast from afar and recently got in touch with him to record this episode. What motivated me to reconnect was reading the first rough draft chapter of his memoir titled Once in a Blue Moon. The chapter is about meeting a man that would change George's life. An excerpt from Once in a Blue Moon. That was Sunday, September 6, 1992. That day marks a distinct pivot in my life's direction. I didn't know it yet, but it was the day when I met a man who would forever alter the chemistry of my heart. It was the day I met a man who showed me a possibility that I never considered possible. It was the day when I met a man I didn't want to meet. His name was Brian Campbell. If I didn't learn it then, I've certainly learned it since. The lesson? Be open to all of it. Be open in mind, in spirit, and in heart. Being open leaves one vulnerable to disappointment, failure, embarrassment, and heartbreak. Being open also invites the opportunity for joy, discovery, wonder, love, indescribable, and a whole spectrum of experiences that make life truly worth living. It made me miss George. He was an integral part of my early days establishing a footing in New York City. I had bitten off more than I could chew. I would recently quit drinking and moved to the city to chase a woman I thought I was madly in love with. I look back on those early days and swell with nostalgia and gratitude. I couldn't have done it without the teachers that helped me along the way. And it all paid off. If I hadn't flown the coop to New York City, I don't know where I'd be and my life might not have turned out to be so immense. George was one of the few key people that taught me to be open. So we are part of uh, the same secret club, and mm-hmm. um, you we met in New York City a long time ago, and you... You were sitting on a bench in front of a coffee shop where I was <laughs> in Greenwich Village. I, I, I sort of remember that moment. I was pretty out of it i mean you we knew each other before i even had a job in new york and i think i was you were figuring out what of, you wanted to do and where you i was to figuring go. it out man it was weird it was sort of this weird existential crisis i was having as a result of getting better and it was it was it was really painful and um and i've come a long way and i have created this space this lotus crusher podcast space as a place to kind of speak to people that I know, speak to people that I don't know. Um, 
and and kind of probe them in ways for like the re the real deal ways that they take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know like, I know that that's changed a lot for all of us through this pandemic and it maybe for some people it's it's become simplified and maybe for some people it's become more complex, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering how now, like today you're taking care of yourself or, or you, you know, or are there ways that you're not taking care of yourself that you wish you were taking care of yourself or, yeah. It's it's tricky and complicated because some people really love the idea of meeting virtually. And I think actually a lot of people that I've touched base with are becoming a little fatigued by that. You know, there's like this quarantine fatigue thing happening. And then there's oh. this like Zoom Zoom meeting fatigue thing happening. And I'm really glad that we're just like on an audio track because seeing people digitally is really if i feel like i'm on a stage and i know it's not about me but i do there's something about that where i feel especially when you're able to see yourself too yeah i find myself just like facetiming or whatsapping or zooming with people and i'm often like looking at them and also looking at the little picture of me and i'm fixing my hair right is this my best angle yeah in person i'm not thinking about that i'm looking at you i'm focused on you yeah yeah so what what are you doing now to take care of yourself? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is my usual. I'll tell you what, you know, what has not changed. You know, I still wake up early. I listen to my drill in the morning. This is always a podcast series I wanted to do. I want to talk to people about their morning ritual. Yeah. What do you do from when you wake up and then leave? What happens in between then? Um, I wake up. I, I turn on NPR. I start making my coffee. Um, I do my Chemex. So I fill the water kettle and then I turn that thing on and then I go back to bed until it's, until it whistles. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in the meantime, I cuddle with one of the dogs. Smokey sleeps with me. Lenore is, she's not a snuggler, which bums me out, but you know, that's her thing. Uh, so I snuggle with the dog. I listen to NPR and then I make the coffee. I love that ritual. Um, and then uh, I will look at my New York Times. I am so enjoying right now, especially now, where I am, being in New York and in this moment, like a kind of New York tough, we're all in this together kind of a way, right. um, you know, ramped up my subscriptions to these pillars of New York media, like the New York Times, New York Magazine, the New Yorker Magazine, WNYC, our local. Like a sense of pride around yes. being a New Yorker uh, with New Yorkers in a time of struggle. Yes. I love that. Um, and it's been really great just in general, even before this, to re-engage with this city that I've missed so much and that I love so much. And then, um, I try to do a hundred pushups every morning, at least mm-hmm. if I'm running late and I don't have time to get like a full workout and I do a hundred pushups, I'm not the meditator that I should be, mm. Same. Uh, but I do often do little mini meds, like I'll sit and close my eyes and just breathe and hear my breath and feel my breath, you know, inhale and exhale. Whether or not that qualifies as a full-on meditation, I don't really know. Um, To each his own. And um, I certainly take the dogs for longer walks now, just because I have the time. Um, I am going to miss that once I go back to work. Um, Maybe that just means getting up earlier and buying more time mm. uh so we go i'm very fortunate to be close to central park which is literally a half a block from where i live yeah 
Um, That's ran, I ran into Tim Gunn this morning. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. <laughs> he must be a neighbor. Now we now, now I know. It's too cool. Um, so that's been great. Uh, I took the opportunity to do a crest whitening strip. <laughs> like a, I did, I did a little whitening strip thing. I usually do that once a year, but this was a great time to do it. Um, I have not, I've certainly had my comfort foods and gone and just downed. I'm not someone who shares a pint of ice cream anyway. Right. Uh, you know, but I've done a little bit, a little bit of that, but I'm little indulging. Yeah, but I have to say, Dane, honestly, I, I've, I'm trying to step away from the animal stuff and mm-hmm. getting more plant-based. I'm not going to call myself a full-on vegan, but let's just say vegan adjacent. Yeah, we've been trying to do that too. And it feels good, actually. I'm enjoying it. Um, it just feels like the right thing to do. Like for the Yeah, moment. 100%. For us individually, but also taking that out of, you know, it, it's just the right thing to do. Listen, you know, let's, the truth is, and a lot of people who are raised like you and I in the Midwest, you're meat eaters. If there's no meat, it's not a meal. Um, if you run the numbers on meat and how it is for you physically, individually, for the environment, uh, for cholesterol, fat, and then also that's not even getting into like what we do to these sentient beings so that we can have fucking bacon and milk. The numbers really don't track, you know, they just don't. But people want to ignore that because it's uncomfortable. And this is how I do things and I want my ham. All right. And because I love steak. Right. Because that's, steak, what, real, you know, that's steak. what real that's what yeah. real men eat. Meanwhile, Schwarzenegger is a vegan. So Yeah. yeah. Um Steak. Yeah. It's just a cow. It's just a slice of, of a cow. And P.S. Have you ever seen a cow play when it's happy? They're like dogs. Like you know, like I gotta kill that so I can have a burger. Fuck. Yeah, and I'm also I'm down to eat like luxurious shit, right? I'm down to eat sort sure. of like, uh, oh wow, this is something from this place, and it's very rare, and that's cool. Great, I'll eat it. Cow <laughs> steak is not. It's not rare. It's not you know. It's not some delicacy. And also, you know, when you but sit people, down, people treat it that way. Oh, you hear the specials when the waiter comes over and it tells you where the fucking animal went to school. And, yeah. You know, how many, de- how many degrees it's had and how it showers and, you know, Evian, like, I yeah. whatever. Does it taste good? How much is it? I'll have it. Yeah. Um, so there's the dialing down the meat and the dairy. For, well, I haven't had meat in about 10 years, but dairy for sure. I do occasionally have the, I haven't had fish in a long time though during the pandemic. I do miss I was a fan of sushi, still kind of am. Um, other taking care of myself stuff, I allow myself to take a nap. Wow. I might take a nap when I'm done talking to you. <laughs> After I take, you're exhausting. No, um, I'll probably take the dogs for another long walk, you know, middle of the day walk, and then lie down for a little bit. My sleep is not, I know a lot of people have talked about during the pandemic that their sleep is kind of thrown off. That hasn't really affected me. But the one thing where I could be taking better of myself and I am making an effort, and it is hard for me, is the cigarettes. Ah, you still smoke. I love that about you, though. I don't love that about me. Oh, I love it. It's such a George Hahn thing. You know, I was talking about I miss smoking. I talked about this in a meeting today. I spoke in a meeting of mm-hmm. our secret society. Yeah. Uh, just before I got on the horn with you. And I brought that up because I hadn't, it's the one thing, I'm not ashamed of it, 
like my thing about smoking, it's so socially not acceptable anymore. I don't want <laughs> like, I don't want people seeing me smoking, especially young people. Cause I don't want them to look at it and think, Oh, I want to do that. Right. Cause I remember when I was young and susceptible to those kinds of things that like, if it looked cool, I wanted to kind of give it a taste. Right. Um, I don't like want my nieces and nephews or like little kids going, Oh, I want to do what he's doing. So I kind of hide when I do it. Yeah. I don't want to pass it on, let's say. And it's time to, you know, I got lozenges. I bought Nicorette lozenges and I'm just waiting for when I finish a pack to be ready to go. So that's been a challenge. I chew on these, these nicotine, um, toothpicks. Oh, yeah, they're like just normal toothpicks and they're dipped in like two or three milligrams of nicotine. Nothing else, apparently. Do you they're get called, these at like the, the Walgreens you, you situation? Order them. No you order them. They're called Pixatine. Yeah, they're, <gasps> they're actually incredible. They like hurt your throat a bit at first because they're kind of intense and then you get used to them. And they're like minty. You get mint or you can get cinnamon or you get whatever the fuck, right? And it's like it just it's just enough. Mm-hmm. And it also sort of satisfies that the oral fixation thing. You could touch it. I mean, we're not yep. supposed to touch our mouth right now, but indoors. Um, and also, you can't do it outside if you have a mask on, right? Right. So it's something that you still would have to do sort of privately, right? You lower your mask or do it when you're inside. You can yeah. also do it anytime, and it's arguably more chic than smoking cigarettes these totally. days. Totally, you know, you kind of cool. badass, yeah. Cigarettes um, are gross. I mean, let's break it down. They're disgusting. Yeah. Um, so that's been a challenge. And um, I'm not reading as much as I would like to. And reading's like working out to me. The hardest part <laughs> is actually cracking open the fucking thing, whether it's yeah. a magazine or a book. Because when I start an art, like reading something like a long form thing in the New Yorker, let's say, I will look at it before I start it going like, oh, that's going to be homework, man. Right. But once I start and I'm like a, you know, a few paragraphs in, I am in, like I'm, I am on for the ride. Same is true for a book. But there is this like part of me, it's like maybe it's because of how I went to school and reading was work. But then when I'm doing it, I forget how much I enjoy it. And also as we get older and we're, you know, leading adult lives, we just don't have the time that we used to when we were younger. Like I always say to my nieces and nephews when they go to school, just read and enjoy that because you have the time now. Yeah. You said something um, on social media the other day that really, really sort of vibed with something I've been, I've been doing the last few weeks. There was like a moment, there was that like uh, catastrophic moment at the beginning of this thing where everyone was all freaked out and everyone was trying to keep their cool and, there was this weird adjustment to, you know, what is this thing? How do we operate? So on and so forth. And then we kind of, you know, a few weeks in, at least for me, there was this, there was this normalization and then came, then came this frustration at times. And it was, it, it was uh, sort of, I don't know if it was cyclical or if it was like, there was moments throughout the day where I would feel scared. I would mm-hmm. feel lonely. I would feel uh, confused. I would, you know, it was just really this, 
I don't, I, I have a lot of feelings and I'm a sensitive human. I don't get anxious. That's one of the things that for whatever reason, I just, I'm not an anxious person. I was having pretty intense bouts of anxiety. Um, and I was fighting those feelings. And you said something this week and it was something like, I'm not, I'm not sort of allowing myself to have those feelings. And that was not a lot of people are saying that. I feel like they're, and maybe it's toned down a bit, but there were all these people that jumped on their platforms and were like, okay, I'm going to be motivated and I'm going to oh, lift yeah. a 9,000 pounds on a deadlift and I'm going to read 17 books a day. And I'm going to, you know, mm -hmm. and th that's cool. I'm going to learn a language. Everyone's like trying to learn a language or bake, break, bake rye bread, right? It's like, that's the thing. Neat. And Great. <laughs> and and I get it. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. And no. I, for me, just the simple fact of like feeling your feelings at least momentarily and not like maybe there's an extension, maybe you agree or disagree with this, but there's like not sort of attaching to them and then detaching from them, right? It's like, it's, I'm just going to see them. I'm going to allow them to be, and then I'm going to move on. I, yeah. I really appreciated when you said that. Thank you. I think- yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember the the video. Was the, I was walking the dogs in Riverside Park when I made that video. Yeah. Um, I think it would be different for me, let's say, if I had children. Like my boss. He and I talk fairly regularly every couple of days just to check in and, you know, share some jokes and whatnot and have a laugh. Sure. And he's got two young boys, five and seven. And, you know, he and his wife and the kids have been in their, you know, large apartment. But nonetheless – you know, for these last two and a half months or whatever it's been. And as a parent, like if I had kids, I would be very selective about letting them see me like maybe have a breakdown. Right. Because you want to be strong for the kids. I get it. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have that situation. My dogs have seen me in every – my dogs have witnessed more of me than anybody ever will. And yes, that pressure to – you know, learn a new language or a musical instrument or to, to somehow perform and excel at something when truth be told, I'm not in the space, man. This is a lot to process and a lot has been taken from us in a very short order, you know, in a very quick turnaround here. Like I remember it was, there was a little social distancing and we're not shaking hands and then March 15th and then bam, bars are closed. Yeah. And it's social distancing and wear a mask. Like, whoa, 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 wait, what just happened? Even though, you know, certain powers that be had been getting warnings for a long time. Sure. So it, uh, a lot has been taken from us. Being able, intimacy is out of my life right now. Right. And I, until I don't know how long that's off the table. Um touching someone, not just in an intimate, with like, like, as I said in the video, I think like a hand on the shoulder or anything, yeah. that's a lot to process. Yeah. And there is a certain grief with this for me. And I'm sure for a lot of people, and I am not as a man, I have no problem acknowledging it. Like I got no shame. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, I have gone through grief with this and it comes in waves and I am sad. And then there's, you know, I don't, I don't know what the five stages are. I forget them at the moment too. There are five of them though. And then some guy came, wrote something. I got to find it. Who came up with a sixth uh, after Elizabeth Cooper Ross is five. But um, uh, 
you know, I've been sad. Then there's anger. Yeah. Uh, the other day I was angry, like that this thing happened and took so much from my life. Yeah. I'm not going to go rub coconut oil on myself or like take a dip in some CBD oil and stretch and meditate and pray and like try to feel it or like not feel it. A lot of these things that people are doing, yes, we need to be, we need distractions and entertainment and amusement and mirth, whatever you can grab onto. I love comedy. I've been listening to so many comedy albums and yeah. Mm. I paid a price. I think this is what you were talking about. When my father died, I did not give myself time to really grieve. I, gr I would grieve and cry and get upset as I was moving, I was dancing as fast as I can. I didn't allow myself to stop mm -hmm. and pause and really process and think and maybe write about it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I, you know, my vote, let yourself do that. You don't want to get out of bed today if you don't have dogs to walk or something. Don't get out of bed. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. There's nothing else happening. Yeah. Feel sad. Get it, like work it through your system and allow yourself to feel it. Call a friend. You know, uh, I, have fr I have friends I can call and be like, you know, I just want to talk to someone. I'm not feeling good. And she will sit and it's, it makes me emotional a little bit thinking about like how, like there are very, there, there are not a lot of people in my life who are available to that. Right. You know, like I have, we have those friends who, I have friends, let's just say, who want the happy George, the entertaining George. And would rather not talk to me probably when I'm not fun or feeling fun because it's just not as much fun, you know? And maybe I'm a little more work these days. But I think we're all probably a lot more work these days if we're being rigorously honest with how we're processing this whole shit show. And quite, you know, I'm up for it. If somebody wants to call and say, like, listen, I'm having a bad day and I need to cry. Can you just listen to me vent? 100%. Yeah. I'm right here. Yeah. I wish I could hug you, but talk. I'm listening. That's the reality of it. Like if this is, you know, we're not living in the matrix. We are on the Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> trying to find Zion and wearing really muted tones. Yeah. And bad haircuts and eating <laughs> shitty food. How are you going to get your haircut? Instead have you of cut your own hair? Plugged into the matrix. Um, I have buzzed it. I, I've done that years ago. I haven't yeah. touched it. I've not had a haircut since December. Yeah, you mentioned that too on social media. I need a haircut. Um, this morning when you saw Tim Gunn, fuck, I need a haircut. <laughs> that was the first thing that went yeah. through my head when I saw him because I was wearing a pair of jeans and I had on a denim jacket. I'm thinking, holy shit, I'm in this like double denim Canadian tuxedo <laughs> <laughs> with the dogs. And like the first thought when he and I locked eyes was, Oh Fuck my hair. Fucking Tim Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so gracious. I mean, like, I have heard, um, I've never met him in person until today. Yeah. And, you know, I've kind of not obsessed with him. I've, I've admired him, you know, from afar for so many years just because he's so uh, vulnerable and transparent. And, um, you know, he's such a presence in the fashion slash entertainment media machine. Um, what you see is what you get with him, you know? And yeah, he seems very genuine and authentic and very available to like how he's feeling. Like he's not mm. trying to brush it off and put on his best self. If he feels bad, he 
dives into it. I admire that. I I, I hope that that is a sort of a, a, I've been really at odds or kind of, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about a, a lot of media personalities throwing out these terms like new normal mm-hmm. uh, or like the world's going to change forever, right? Like this. Nobody is, knows that. This is forever. Like, Everyone's trying to predict never, the future. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't, I don't get down with that. And I also have this sort of, this feeling that once we're through this, because we will get through this one way or another, that there's going to be, it's like, you know, uh, it's the metaphor, water finds level. Uh, there'll be sort of a rebound effect. Or, but I, I really hope that there is a a lasting effect of people being honest with how they're feeling in the moment. And not like in an obsessional way, right? But like what we're talking about is like, I'm just going to be open and honest about myself. I'm going to like Tim gun my way through this thing and just be okay. And, you know, and, and still be a presence and still be available. And, um, yeah, selfishly, I hope that that is the lasting thing. It's a nice idealistic idea. And I remember after nine 11 or, you know, in just in the immediate wake of it. And, you know, we would talk about how, you know, we're, we're going to be a more loving place now because we right. need each other. And like, I'm going to be blunt. It wasn't long before people were back to being dicks, right. you know. Um, what really changed was, you know, how shit goes down at the airport when we check in. Like that was, you yeah. know, that was <laughs> lasting. Forever. Um, yeah. Right. You know, um, and, and that, that's not across the board. I'm being, I'm generalizing broadly there. Uh, you know, I'm sure some people became more introspective in the wake of that and made some genuine efforts to re-examine and reposition themselves in how they approach their own lives and how they treat other people. This, I can't, maybe I'd like to think so. Um, are people going to be not like such big dicks? I, maybe. Um, I think you and I, because of the secret society that we're in, are have an opportunity or are not, um, let's say, we are no strangers to introspection. Right. Um, we are, the things that you and I talk about when we're with our crew. It's mandatory. I mean. Would scare the shit out of civilians. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, we're not afraid to go there. I read your the first chapter to your quote unquote memoirs. I don't know. I don't know what what people can expect from that, but I really I really enjoyed it and I, I think that was a big part of why I reached out to you to connect with you and have you on the podcast. And um I, I like the idea uh or the you know, the part where you write about being open and it's like, it's such a simple thing. Um, meeting this man and being open to like experiences, uh, early on in your life and how that's progressed and changed. And, um, and how, like, how did you, I always say that like any sort of Anything that that's uh, anything good in my life is a direct a direct result of helping someone else, and I think it's when I read 
the chapter, I think it was also a big part of it was like, oh, right. And being open, right. Being open to anything. Yeah. Not even just like people are always like, I'll be open to opportunity. Okay, cool. Totally. For sure. But also be open to like pain and heartache and be vulnerable. And, And I just, I loved when you said that and when you, when you wrote it, um, and it's, you know, I think it's a big part of taking care of ourselves is, is being open to things. I agree. I was not, uh, at the time when that was actually happening, when I had met that man, I was not open. You know, I think I kind of, I can't remember if I wrote it. I mean, I am going to do a new draft and flesh it out a little bit more, but you told people you weren't you weren't as open to it originally. I was so not into it. I mean, I was newly out. I was in Provincetown for the first time. I wanted to go explore. Right. I didn't want to go sit down and have iced tea for two hours with this guy who was probably going to die within a year, you know? Right. Life just caught me off guard. And I have to honestly say that the best things, Dane, that have ever happened to me, the best situations and the best people that ever happened to me, happened to me when I wasn't looking. I wasn't expecting it. I'll start with work situations. Like like Joan Rivers was a big example. When I worked for Joan Rivers, I was not looking for that. It came to me. You know, I had to sort of step up and be ready and kind of fake my way (laughs) through the initial conversation. But that came to me and it was like, I always, I always call it like a unicorn that knocked on my door mm. and talk about needing to be open because there was also the saboteur part of me that says they're going to find out you don't know what you're doing and that you're a fraud and you're going to get fired. Yeah. Um, you're not good enough. Right. Yeah. Um, so there are professional things that have happened. Friends. I didn't like, we've got these apps where we can date and meet people with these apps. And I know that that's how people are meeting now, but to me, that's sort of forcing it a little bit, right? Uh, because the best things, as I was gonna, as I was saying, happened when life just happened, and I was open. You know, uh, Brian was the first of three times in my life where I really was in love with somebody. Mm. You know, I lost him uh, to a disease, and my attitude about it was. I'm going to get on this ride for as long as I can. I'm going to spend as much time with him as life will allow me because he blew me away that much. I want this experience. I don't want to look back and go, what would that have been like? Uh, no, 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 no. I wanted to know. Um, and then the other two times, different. It's those are long stories for another time, but, um, but they happened they came into my life when I was not looking. I wasn't, you know, they just kind of like proverbially knocked on my door. And I thought, oh, well, what's this? I didn't have my best shoes on. I didn't have my best suit on. And whoa, look at you kind of coming into my life and, you know, putting a little flutter into my heart. I wasn't looking, you mm-hmm. know, where I do get tripped up is when I try to force things. Right. When um, you try too hard. Yeah. Yeah. The best you can do is just be open and be ready, I guess. Yeah. Are you going to continue or do you intend to release more writing on Once in a Blue Moon? Yes. Um, 
I've already started chapter two. Chapter one ends when I, you know, after that first time I met him. Chapter one actually might be two chapters in there because I also think like the whole growing up in Cleveland thing as a gay kid who didn't even know he was gay yet. Um, I just thought this thing where I kind of would like look at guys would be a phase that passed or work its way through my system. But that whole experience growing up that way in a city like Cleveland is might be like an introductory chapter in itself to sort of set it up. Cause the notion is to just, I wanted to set up how I met this guy. Um, and so it ends chapter one ends with how I met him that first time Labor Day weekend, 1992. Um, and then didn't think of him until that phone call came six months later or four or five months later from my friend David. He said, Oh, you know, guess who's been asking about you? And I thought, right. Oh, and the tricky thing is about writing this. So the short answer to your question is yes, there's more coming. And um, it's is stuff. it tricky emotionally? Or Very. Is it like it's an, it's an emotional minefield. Less and, technical, more emotional, right? Right. Like the act of writing it is not a big deal to me, but just going there in my head yeah. and, you know, reaching into like going up into that attic and dusting off some stuff that, you know, it's still there and I haven't. No, I'm that was I don't know how I graduated from school that semester. Because when Brian and I reconnected, which is I'm kind of giving, I guess, a preview of chapter two, but mm-hmm. we were reconnected uh, at a at a dinner for the AIDS support group in Provincetown. My friend David said, Do you want to come with me and help prepare this meal for the AIDS support group? And I was like, No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you remember Brian you met last summer. He's going to be there and he's been asking about you. And I was like, oh, yes. sure. <laughs> yeah. He was interesting. So we met that, you know, we reconnected that day. And I was with Brian in the kitchen that whole time. And we would go outside and have cigarettes and laugh. We were like little kids, like who were so excited to be the, at this new sort of connection that we had. And we were like kids just enjoying it. Like, I like you and I like you. And it's so fun that we like each other. And, um, without explicitly saying that. And then uh, that, I remember after that weekend, I left him a note. I gave him a note before my friend David and I headed back to Boston. And I was starting school that week. I wrote Brian a note and I said, um, you know, you and I are going to be friends. And I happen to think that you're pretty amazing. And so let's be friends. And why don't you call me? (laughs) And I didn't think he was going to respond to that. And Mm. two days later, this is where it gets hard. Yeah. Two days later was that he left a message on my answering machine. We had answering machines back then. Cassette. He wrote notes to each other. Yeah. Right. Um, two days later, there was an answering machine message from him, and he said, uh, "Listen, I'm going to be in Boston this week on Friday." He had an appointment at the hospital. And he said, "I'm going to be in Boston, and um, would you like to come back out to the Cape to Provincetown and stay with me for the weekend?" Hmm. And that's um, that's where it all turned around. 
and that's how we're least expecting it yeah oh yeah yeah um, so going back and kind of like mining that emotionally is uh it's like these little things man like these little sort of tentpole moments in the story like when i when he walked me into his condo he had a two-bedroom and uh, he was staying at a different place at this point. And I got my little weekend bag and I'm walking up the stairs and he said, your bedroom's over there. And then he said, you know, we got to the top of the landing. And he said, and, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable, you can, you can stay with me if you like. Like little things like that. Like it just, it, it ah, things that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. I just was not expecting this. Maybe kind of, hoping and then and then allowing it to happen mm-hmm. i was open to it i could have said no but i didn't and it's just this whole experience changed my entire life mm-hmm. yeah so that's the long answer to yeah more to come <laughs> you know life is change where i get tripped up is when i do not accept that yeah and i want to get too comfortable you know everything everything in our lives is temporary. I know my dog's going to die one day. I know that I, this job I have will not last forever. Um, I know that my mother will not live forever. Um, uh, the relationship you're in, the place you're living, it's all temporary. You know, all of this stuff, the people in our lives, we're borrowing it. So, yeah, I just, there's a, there's such a, um, a big part of me that looks up to, to you in that way, watching you pivot and watching you be accepting of that change. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I think I like kind of reveal a little bit of like the process, meaning like if I'm frustrated about something and if I'm not okay with something, I'm often, I think, not shy about letting that show. Yeah. And then I will eventually, like with this pandemic, it's a perfect example. Today I'm having an okay day talking to you. It's so great to catch up and stuff. But, you know, a few days ago I hit a few walls uh, when I realized about the no touching and being touched thing. Um, But, oh yeah, when I'm pissed about something, it's not all silky. It's a rough road. Life is hard. Mm. And then we die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My old friend Cyril, who used to say that, he was an old sober friend. He'd been sober for like 178 years. Mm -hmm. And he used to say, life is hard and then we die. I'm like, dude, that's bleak. True, but bleak. (laughs) (laughs) I loved him. Yeah, and everyone's talking about it now. And I'm sure it's always been on the forefront of certain people's minds but this idea of like change and then i was listening to a program i think it was that podcast how i built it and i don't remember who was on it um but it was some you know fucking tycoon of industry and they were talking about that changing your business and changing your lifestyle in the midst of a pandemic and um and i and i heard them and i respected what they had to say and and I also thought, well, this is just, this is like a, a normal thing that we do regardless of a c- catastrophic thing that happens in the world. I don't know, I mean, at least for me and definitely for you, 
the change is just the constant thing. And yeah. And, uh, and I think it is probably for everybody, but everyone's got this, like these attachments to things and I do yes. and you do and right. But it, it's just really nice to see people who, who disconnect from this stuff and disconnect and, 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 and are able to accept that change. And then also like, in, I don't, there's, a, there's a huge enhancement that I, that I recognize to change and to, to being able to pivot and being able to be adaptable. Right. Agility is your friend. You know, I have, I really feel, I kind of learn to shut up when I hear it, but when I talk to some friend, whether it's somebody very close to me or, you know, anybody I know casually who is in front of a decision or maybe a life change. And I, I just hear like, I can't, or I couldn't. And what I'm really hearing is I'm not willing. Mm. Um, and I feel badly, you know, because when someone says like, oh, I could never do that or I'm too old or it's just it's too late for me or something. I'm thinking like this is a life half lived. That is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Joan Rivers, who is often fond of saying something I will never forget. She said I was smart enough to walk through every door that opened. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a good thing to remember. And, you know, you mentioned being attached to things like, you know, just in terms of material things, as we get older, I just like, we, as people, as humans, Americans, we just like kind of like lint rollers as we go through life, like just collecting all this shit. And like, you wake up one day and you're like, I got to get a U-Haul because like yeah. my walls are closing because I got too much stuff, too many clothes, too much furniture. Like there was a guy, I forget his name and I apologize. It's in my Twitter feed somewhere. He was a reporter at, I think, MSNBC. And he posted a picture on Twitter yesterday or the day before. And it was a snapshot of when he moved to New York to be an intern at the station. And it was a picture of his room at the YMCA with like a suitcase. And it was just like this simple midnight cowboy, like hotel room with a window and a bed and a desk and a dresser. And there was a suitcase. And I think like, but he functioned. Mm-hmm. Like I would look back on that moment. My welcome to New York period was very similar. I didn't have a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, how simple and sort of beautifully sparse that was. So he could focus on his work and he had enough clothes to wear and he wasn't weighed down yet, you know, as a new, newly minted New Yorker. Right. His only concerns were – you know, making sure his shirt and his jacket were clean and shaving and having a shower. He had everything he needed right there. And I loved that picture. And I think like, you got to look back on that memory fondly thinking like, God, it was simple, but God, I had everything I need needed. Um, yeah, we get tethered and weighed down by a lot of things and beliefs. I got rid of, when I was in Cleveland, I got rid of a lot of stuff that belonged to my dad. I am the last person that stuff means anything to. I'm the last person that any of it matters to. Like I got, I had his briefcase. It was his last briefcase and it was his, he had his last sort of legal pad in it with his pens and pencils and a calculator and the last things he wrote in it. And I was having a feng shui moment, (laughs) getting rid of stuff. I think it was when I was getting ready to move to New York because I knew I was going to have to downsize. I had to get rid of all my furniture again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I thought, why would I hang on to this? I have enough pictures. Uh, I have like his glasses. I have his bullet where he kept his pills. But this other stuff, like why do I keep it so that I can cry? Because that's what it just, that's all it does. To hold on to the stuff so that it'll make me cry. I have cried enough. Mm. My father would not be, you know, so to get rid of that stuff that belonged to my dad, it took me a while to share that with my siblings and say, like, I got rid of dad's briefcase. And one of my sisters was like, what, what, why? She was like, pissed, yeah. Who does it matter to besides, like, why do we keep it? So we can cry? Right. We have pictures and we have the memory. And he's right, like, he's in our heart. He's in my heart. Um, so I don't need the stuff to make me cry. You know, the older I get and the more experience I get, the less I want to travel light. Yeah. It's a day. I, I miss that. Yeah. I miss that. I miss being like sort of more agile, more in a way more transient or at least like being capable. I guess I, I can still be transient if I wanted to be, but yeah, I remember moving to New York, having nothing like two suitcases and a dog. How and, elegant. Yeah. That was <laughs> it. Two, they weren't even like suitcases. They were like weird, like military duffel bags. Like it was just like they were about to rip open. And uh and then moving to London with nothing. And then moving to LA with nothing. And then look like fast forward a few years, like looking up and being like, oh my God, I have so much shit. Mm -hmm. Just like and and I use I use 75% of my shit on a weekly basis, but there's excess. You don't strike me as an excessive person though. No, uh, it's, it's like, but I, but I am an obsessive person. I may not be excessive. Like but, but when I, I built a, and thank God for this, I have a garage at my new place. And I, a year ago, I like, rejigged the whole thing and outfitted it to be a little gym mm -hmm. just nice. for myself and it's like and i put a bunch of money into that and i was like "Ooh, that's a lot you know spending a lot i'm doing you know got to be sort of cautious about it. i felt there's a little bit of guilt after it was done although it's something that i use every day i use it to enhance my my mind and my body and i stay healthy and it's something that i really love to do for an hour and a half in the morning but now, like at being confined to my home and having the space downstairs in the garage where I can be, where I can exert myself and like, and bring some semblance of sanity to my life being confined to this one place. It's just like it's paying dividends. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the stuff and some of the attachment to the stuff is really, for me, beneficial, uh, at least right now. But yeah, I, I miss that being like, oh, great, I have like a mattress. And you know what? I don't even like the mattress that much, so I'm just going to give it to the homie down the street. But I don't, give, I don't get the impression that you are like spreading out into some like McMansion version of a <laughs> apartment. Nope, what you're definitely talking not. About, what you're talking about to me still sounds like quite efficient and elegant in its efficiency. Mm -hmm. I have weights. I have weights here. I've been working out in my apartment. Um, you know, I do my sit-ups. I have a couple of things I do with, um, I have two sets of dumbbells at different weights and things that I do. I bought them when I moved here thinking like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get to the gym because my work schedule is like very busy when I'm actually 
on the schedule. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't, what you're describing does not sound excessive to me at all. We should wrap up, but the, I, I, uh, whether you knew it or not, uh, you were such a big part of my introduction to New York. So I, I thank you for that. And I also thank you for being so courageous during this time and with your writing, because I'm, I'm not writing a fucking memoir and there's enough emotional minefield to navigate through on like just normal day-to-day shit and you diving into that stuff in the attic is it's just a big deal so uh, thank you it's not only is it like not only do i love reading your writing but also knowing who you are and 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 knowing how difficult and challenging that and probably cathartic at times it, it must be it's just there's a lot to look up to there and i and i really appreciate that um you are dane you are more than generous to say that and i thank you for saying that and i really appreciate it and um um you know i i started the blog and started playing with writing just as an exercise for myself and i keep for you know at, to this day like when someone says oh i love what you wrote i keep forgetting oh yeah people read this mm. you know um it never ceases to sort of take me back and i just I, it i i hit it with a lot of humility and gratitude um and when someone says something like that i just it makes my day and it it keeps me going so thank you you're welcome where can people find you online i am on the interwebs at uh on my website is georgehan.com i am also on facebook not as much on facebook i'm kind of like i'm not ghosting facebook but i don't dig into facebook as much as i used to let's just say but i'm on facebook at the georgehan page and i'm on instagram and twitter at georgehan all one word Awesome. Thank you, George. Thank you, Dane.